coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at my bookie. Bowl season is, what, three days away now, guys. So if you haven't had a chance to do so yet, if you've been sitting on the fence, now is the time to jump off that fence and sign up for a brand new account at MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA while that offer still lasts, and you'll get a 50% bonus on that first deposit for all new users. So again, take advantage of it while you still can. All right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. And while I know we talked a lot about Dylan Raiola and his apparent interest in Nebraska earlier in the week, that news, those reports hit literally right as I was firing up the mic. So I had barely had any time to digest that news. And in the meantime, we have had more developments. And I've also gotten more than a few questions on this. Everyone wants to know what's going on here. Is he going to go to Nebraska? Is he going to come to Georgia? What is he thinking? What's behind this? So now with more information, in light of all the questions that I continue to get on this, and understandably so, I thought it'd be a good idea to jump on here and just share some updated thoughts on what's going on. Now, I know a lot of you have been following these reports like I have. There are a variety of rumors out there. I have read most of the same things that you guys have read, I'm sure. But I've also talked to some of my guys behind the scenes, so I'm trying to piece some things together. The reports you're hearing, all the things that you're reading, plus what I'm hearing behind the scenes. So I just want to kind of share some updated thoughts with you guys, and we're going to start with that today. And at the end of the show, the back half, I'm going to give you guys some of my thoughts on the recently released, as recently as last night, 2024 SEC football schedule. We knew what Georgia's schedule was going to be. That was leaked last week, and sure enough, it was 100% accurate. But we've now got to look at everyone's schedule. So I have some thoughts that I'll share with you guys after we go through this Riola information. Let's start with Dylan Riola here. All right, here's where I want to start. Dylan Riola is going to Nebraska. Just understand that, guys. He's not coming to Georgia. That is not happening. That ship has sailed. He is going to to Nebraska. It might not be official. He might not have officially come out and said it, but just trust me on this. Everything that I have been told is that Dylan Raiola is going to Nebraska. So do not let your hopes get up that, oh, maybe possibly that door's still open. No, he's going to Nebraska. And if you don't believe me, if you need any like actual confirmation, I guess this is not technically confirmation, but it is without being confirmation. The news that Kyle McCord has now eliminated Nebraska from consideration as his transfer destination, that makes it a done deal. It's a done deal, guys. And why do I say that? Well, let's go back to my initial thoughts. Again, I had about 10 seconds to digest it before I hopped on and did the show on Tuesday. But my initial reaction was, this is related to Carson Beck coming back. Because I, I mean, guys, look, I anything can happen. Anything can change. Things change on, at a moment's notice when it comes to NFL draft decisions, all that kind of stuff. But I have on very good authority that Carson Beck, as of right now, has indicated to our coaches that he is leaning towards coming back, and I, I expect him to do so, barring some change of heart, which could happen. But as of right now, I fully expect Carson Beck to be returning for a second year as a starter in 2024, and I am almost certain that information was communicated to the Ryo family, and that is not something that set well with them. I imagine their expectation was that Carson Beck was going to go pro after this year. It was his fourth year in the system. He's has been draft eligible, had a good year. We 
had a good year as a team. He put together some good tape and was generating some pretty solid NFL draft buzz. So I imagine they expected him to go pro, and that would clear the way for Dylan to have the opportunity to compete for the job as a true freshman. And when that did not appear to be the case now, that opened up the door to Nebraska. Because in my opinion, this I've never talked to Dylan, but just, again, talking to people and also just reading reports, putting pieces together, one of the the biggest reasons, not one of the biggest reasons, the biggest reason why he decided to come to Georgia over Nebraska in the first place was because, well, we obviously we offer a, a chance to win at a higher level than Nebraska. I mean, that's indisputable. That, that's clear. But he has the family ties. The NIL money was certainly on the table. But he saw a chance to win at a high level and also potentially start as a true freshman at Georgia. I think that was enough to overcome the family ties and the significant NIL offers that were coming from Lincoln. But when that potential to start as a true freshman at Georgia was removed from the equation, that changed the dynamic of the decision. And obviously now, not only is he leaning towards Nebraska, I'm just straight up telling you he's going to Nebraska. And the McCord news that he's now not considering Nebraska is a done deal. Because the question I kept getting, like the pushback I got from people on social media regarding my initial thoughts on why Raiola is now considering Nebraska and visiting Nebraska, maybe lean towards Nebraska. The pushback I got from people was, well, it's the same situation in Nebraska. Kyle McCord's going there, so he's going to sit behind him. Now, what I said at the time, when it did look like Kyle McCord was indeed probably going to transfer to Nebraska, I said it wasn't apples to apples because Kyle McCord is not an incumbent starter. Yes, he started a year at Ohio State and had that full year of experience, so he has more experience than Raiola does, but he's not an incumbent starter in Nebraska. He doesn't know their system, doesn't know their playbook, has no background with their coaching staff, whereas Georgia, Carson Beck, he is the incumbent starter. There would at least have been a competition at Nebraska if McCord did indeed transfer there. At Georgia, if Beck does indeed return, there is no competition for that quarterback job. It is Carson Beck's job. There's competition for the number two job, but there is no competition for the QB1 job if Carson Beck does return. He is that guy. But now, with McCord out of the picture in Nebraska, with him eliminating them from consideration as a transfer destination, well, now it's clear. Raiola is going to Nebraska because there is really no one there, at least in his mind, that is going to stop him from taking that QB1 job at Nebraska and stop him from starting as a true freshman. It's an easier path to what he's going for. And I largely stand by that. I think that's more or less the thought process here, but it's not that simple. So again, I have reached out to some people, talking to some people from behind the scenes, some people that would know these things more than I would. And again, the, the information I've gotten here, it's somewhat conflicting from different people, but there are some commonalities, there are some common themes. Now, one thing I can say on that I, that I think I got wrong with my initial thoughts, I downplayed the role that NIL was playing in this back on Tuesday when I heard about this like 10 seconds before I recorded Tuesday's episode or Monday's episode. I guess it was on Monday, but recorded for Tuesday, whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. But I downplayed NIL. That's the point. Here. I downplayed NIL. NIL is part of the answer here. Yes, you guys have read correctly. I know you've all read this at this point and seen the rumors that the Riolas have hired an agent for Dylan. That is true. That has happened. So that is part of the answer. The agent, I'm sure, is in, is encouraging him and advising him to maximize his worth in this situation. And there is a significant NIL offer on the table for Dylan. I don't have an actual number. No one, I, I don't know if our guys know. I don't know. I, the people I've talked to didn't know a number. They just said it was a big number. That's all that I've heard. So yes, NIL is part of the answer to why Dylan Raiola is now all of a sudden, like six days before he was supposed to enroll at, at Georgia, is part of the answer for why he is now going to go to Nebraska. But I still maintain it is an incomplete answer. I say that 
because the NIL offers from Nebraska were there. Now, have they upped their offer a little bit? Sure, but they've always had a significant offer on the table for Dylan. And the family ties were always there. None of that has really changed. And that, that's kind of my point on, on Monday's episode was, okay, why now? It's If you want to say it's about NIL, okay, but NIL was always there. If you want to say family ties, okay, but the family ties were always there. So there's got to be something more to it. And that's why I go back to the Carson Beck situation, and that was my read into it initially. I think more than the NIL. The NIL is part of this. It's important, sure. But let's also put this out there. It's not that we aren't offering Dylan NIL money. We are. He was getting a, a significant NIL package from us. But with the situation with an agent... And Nebraska, you know, maybe up in their offer a little bit. He wanted more money from us. And here, here's what you have to realize, guys. If a player that we have recruited and we've agreed to an amount with when it comes to NIL, if we come to an agreement there, come to terms more or less is what it is, and then they come back just before signing, just before, just before they're supposed to enroll and ask for more money, it's not just as easy as saying, okay, here, let's just pull this cash out and give it to you. The money doesn't grow on trees, okay? We don't have a limitless fund. We have also designated a lot of that money for other players, all right? Other players are getting NIO money in this class, also on our team currently right now. So barring some major donor coming in and poning up the extra cash Dylan wants, which I guess is possible that could happen, what the more likely situation would be in, in the short term. It's like, this is a short turnaround, right? He, he needs that money fast if, if we're going to get it to him and he's going to come to Georgia. It would most likely necessitate us taking money from the pool that we are using for the rest of the 2024 recruiting class. So essentially taking some of the money that we're going to potentially use on other recruits in this class and redirecting that towards Dylan Raiola. And that's almost a no-go. It's really tough to do that because I mean, the guys we've already agreed with say, all right, guys, you get this much money, you get this much money. You're going to say, oh, now guys, I'm sorry. You're not going to get as much. We've got to take some of this and we've got to take that and give it to Dylan Raiola because we need to keep this guy in this class. How's that going to sit with the other members of the class if he does end up coming to Georgia? Who are you taking that money from? All right, is it somebody in the 2024 class? Is it someone currently on our team? We have a pool of cash. And if you want to get more Dylan Raiola, that's fine. You can prioritize them if you want to. But when you've already earmarked that to go to other players and you come back and say, oh, dude, I'm sorry. Actually, you're not going to get as much as we have to give it to this guy who hasn't done anything for us yet to this point. That's not going to sit well with a lot of people when they expected a certain amount of money. So more or less what happened is we balked at that. We were like, nah, we're good. Now, the Carson Beck thing is real, all right? Like he, He's obviously, his family's been asking, like, what's going on with the Carson Beck situation? And we've been up front with him. Carson has been thinking about this. He's leaned towards coming back to Georgia, but obviously he's not made an announcement. He's still ruminating on it to some degree, I suppose, here. But again, everything I've gotten, every indication I've gotten is that he does right now— Things are always subject to change, but does plan right now to come back for the 2024 season. And it is true that the Raiola family was was inquiring about, okay, well, what if, what if Carson decides to go to the NFL? Are you going to take a transfer quarterback? And our coaching staff's not going to lie. We're, I mean, Kirby is, is a straight shooter when it comes to this stuff, guys. I mean, why lie about it? He's like, yeah. I mean, they were informed, yeah, we're going to look at taking somebody from the transfer portal. And again, that did not sit well with the Raiola family because Dylan wants to start as a true freshman. They want him to start as a true freshman. And I'm not going to kill the kid for that, all right? If that is a goal of his, if that's what he thinks is best for his long-term future, be my guest, man. If that's cool and you think you have a better shot in Nebraska, go right ahead. But I'm just going to tell you guys, the, the chances of him starting as a true freshman at Georgia were exceedingly small, exceedingly small. 
You do not win national championships with true freshmen at quarterback, starting the entire season at quarterback. That just simply does not happen, all right? Now, Nebraska, where their program is right now, they are in a place where, yeah, they can afford to start a true freshman and take some bumps, take some bruises on the way and develop this guy and grow and hope down the, the line in the future, in the next couple of years, it leads to something greater down the road. That's where they are as a program. That is emphatically not where we are as a program. We are in the business of winning national championships. That is what we are about. And the chances of you winning a national championship with a true freshman quarterback are exceptionally small. I mean, if Kirby and staff sat there and told the Royal family, no, man, like we're good. We're good with Dylan. We think Dylan's going to be the guy. They would be negligent. Like that's a dereliction of duty. You've got to bring in a guy from the transfer portal if Carson Beck goes pro when you've already got Brock Vinegar who's transferred out. That would be an absolute dereliction of duty on Kirby Smart's part if we just said, oh, you know what? We're good with the young guys we've got right now. We're cool if it's a true freshman and we'll see what Gunnar Stockton's got. No, no. You've got to have somebody else. You've got to go out and try to get somebody with some experience. And that's what you got to do. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. That's fine. Your job is to do what's best for the program and to try to win this season. Yeah, you want to prepare for the future, obviously, but how do you look the guys in the face right now, the rest of the guys in the team, and say, you know what, guys? I, I feel okay starting to refresh this year. We might take some bumps. We might, might lose a couple games. We wouldn't otherwise, otherwise lose if we had a more experienced quarterback, but it's going to help us build for the future. That might be cool for the teams two or three years down the, uh, down the line, but how do you look the guys in the face on the 2024 team who have put their blood, sweat, and tears into getting ready for this season and say, all right, guys, you know what? I'm not going to put you in the best position for success because we want to make Dylan Ryle and his family happy. We want to make sure he's around for three years. You can't do that. You can't do it. But anyway, I go back to the idea of him wanting to start as a true freshman and Carson Beck's status on this team playing a bigger role in this decision than NIL. I'm not telling you that NIL played no role in it. Of course, that's that's a, tempta a temptation that'd be hard to turn down, especially when you've hired an agent and they're advising you to, to maximize your, your value. I get that. But it's it's just too strange when you consider, as of like less than a week ago, he was out there publicly recruiting for us on social media. I will pose the exact same question that I posed on Monday. What changed? What changed in the span of a couple of days? Those offers were there. The family ties were there. What changed is the situation at quarterback at the University of Georgia. And his opportunity to start as a true freshman took a big hit. So I think that is the impetus behind this choice. When you don't have the opportunity as a true freshman, that NIO money, the family ties, they become a lot harder to pass up. Because why are you pass them up if you're going to sit on the bench as a true freshman? This guy sees himself as a, as a franchise type guy. He sees himself as a true freshman starter. That's what he sees himself as. And that's fine. That's what he believes. That's what's important to him. It's not going to happen here at Georgia. So go to Nebraska. If that's what's best for you, man, more power to you. Best of luck. But all right, guys, we are not done talking about Dylan Raiola. I have another angle I want to talk about. I want to look at why I'm not freaking out about this. But we'll get to that in just a moment. First, I want to remind you guys about our great friends at MyBookie. Yes, the college football season is almost over, but almost does not mean completely over. We have the entire bowl season ahead of us. It kicks off this Saturday. So go ahead, guys. If you haven't already, now is the time. Truly, now is the time. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up for a brand new account, and you will get a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code UGA. It's that simple, guys. Mybookie.ag, promo code UGA, and then you can do all the betting you want. They've got a ton of options for you, cash out early option, tons of live betting options. They've got team totals. They've got point totals. They've got casino action. So many ways for you guys to make money. So jump in on it while you can and bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at mybookie. 
All right, so I think we've covered the why sufficiently enough. I've given you all my thoughts that I have on that front of this Dylan Riola situation. Now I want to move to how I personally feel about this. And I know how this is going to sound. I know how this is going to come off. Here I am, a Georgia guy, dyed-in-the-wool Georgia guy who runs a Georgia podcast, writes for a Georgia media outlet, who lives in Athens, Georgia. I know how this is going to sound. This is going to sound like rationalization at its finest. Like I'm trying to convince myself of something. That I'm just trying to put a brave face on and put a positive spin on terrible news. I am fully aware of that. But whether you agree with me or not on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis on this podcast, I come on here and shoot you guys straight. I tell you exactly how I feel. So as irrational as this might sound, considering we're talking about the former number one quarterback in this class and the currently number two player in the, in the class overall, according to 247 Composite. Now, on three has him in a different spot, but 247 Composite still has him one of the top two players in the country. But from the moment that this news hit, that the rumors started swirling on Monday night to right now, as I sit here on Thursday night, I am still not even the slightest bit phased by this news by this development that Dylan Ryola is, as I said at the beginning of the show, going to go to Nebraska. And I know how that sounds. I do. But that's the truth. I don't care how it sounds. That is the God's honest truth. I am not even the slightest bit phased by that. Now, Tyler 10 years ago would probably be freaking out right now because Georgia was in a very different place as a program, number one, and I was also younger and more emotional I lacked the perspective that I have now in my elder years. And to be honest with you, I've been trying to think, okay, why am I not phased by this? Why am I not freaking out? Because I know like we've lost five-star recruits in the past and I freaked out about it. I, I know I've done that. So why not here? What's going on here? So I don't know if it's maybe partly that I'm I'm just still numb from the SEC championship loss and how that went down and being excluded from the college football playoffs. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm still hurting. I, I'm still not over that, but... But that's not what's going on here. Maybe I'm just getting too old for this. As Danny Glover was apt to say on Lethal Weapon back in the day. Maybe that's the case, but no, I mean, I still get fired up, guys. I might not be as emotionally unstable as I was a decade or so ago, but I'm still an emotional dude and I get fired up over Georgia football. I'm a wear my heart on my sleeve kind of guy. So I don't think it's that I'm I'm getting too old for this. No, that's not it. What it is for me, really, guys, what it is for me, the reason I am not remotely phased by this development, and it doesn't really have any effect on me at all, is I just don't think that this, Dylan Riola flipping to Nebraska, is going to keep us from competing for and winning national championships. I just don't think it is, and that's what I care about. That's all I care about right now in terms of Georgia football. I care about us playing for and winning national titles. That is where we are as a program. And I do not think losing Dylan Riola is going to be a hindrance in us accomplishing those goals. Now, you can disagree with me on that. I Again, I know how that sounds. I know that this is still the number two player in the country in the 247 composite. And I'm not trying to suggest that Dylan Riola is not a talented player. I'm not going to sit here and do the sour grapes thing and say, oh, he sucks anyway. I didn't want him anyway. No, I, I wanted Dylan Riola. I was extraordinarily excited when we landed him back in the summer. I think he's a hell of a football player. He's an incredibly gifted thrower of the football. So it's not that I don't think the guy's talented. I'm not trying to 
put this guy down and say, oh, he sucks. He wasn't that good anyway. That's not what this is. He's a really talented player. And if he came here and only won our starting job, he'd be a really good quarterback for us. But you have to remember who we are, what this program is. We are a national program. Still the back-to-back defending national champions. That'll change here in about a month or so. But how many teams won back-to-back national titles in the past 20, 30 years? Oh, that's right. Like one, Alabama, right? It's happened three times in the last 70 years. This isn't the Georgia football program of 2009. That's not what this is. This is fully built out, weaponized, nuclear power Georgia football. That is who we are and where we are as a program. It's all we always could have been. We just, for various reasons, never maximized our capabilities. Well, Kirby has changed that. So losing Dylan Raiola, yeah, you know, you'd rather have the guy. Of course, you'd rather have him than not have a guy that talented. But losing a guy like that for a program of our stature, where we are right now as a program, where we're going to continue to be as a program, does not really move the needle. It would move the needle for Nebraska if, let's say, if the the roles were reversed and he was committed to Nebraska and he was set to enroll there in like six days and then all of a sudden now he's flipping to Georgia, well, that would destroy Nebraska because they're in a position where they need a program changer. They don't have all the talent around. They need a guy like that to come in and change the program, to put the program on on his back. We are not in that position. That's not what our program is. Now, having a really talented five-star quarterback is certainly a good thing. It would help, but losing one to another program like Nebraska is is not a game changer. That's not going to change the trajectory of our program. Why not? Because we'll get one the next cycle or the next cycle. When we lose a guy like that, there's, the next one's just around the corner. When a guy, when a team like Nebraska, a program like Nebraska, loses a guy like Dylan Roll, if, again, if the roles are reversed, well, yeah, the sky is falling for them because the chances of them landing another guy of that caliber, not great. The guys like that only come along so often for them with a stars align where they have family connections, his dad play, there's uncle still coaches there. Nebraska only gets so many shots at guys like that. So if they miss on one, well, it sets them back decades potentially. But it doesn't affect us like that if we miss on a, on a player of that caliber. Why? Because we'll simply have more shots at players of a similar or maybe even potentially better caliber. I don't know, maybe Juju Lewis in a couple of years. I've seen it, guys. We've seen the five stars come into this program and lead this program in the quarterback position. We've seen Jacob Eason come and go. We've seen Justin Fields come and go. Oh, and what happened? Oh, that's right. We won two national titles without them. And those guys, no offense to them, didn't win one between them. The bottom line is we are not in a Dylan Riola or bust situation as a program, whereas Nebraska kind of is. We have far too much talent up and down this roster. We have far too much talent in the quarterback room itself to be worried about Dylan Raiola wanting to go to Nebraska. If he wants to go to Nebraska, cool, dude. Go to Nebraska, whatever. Have fun going 5-7, and 6-6 six and six every year. Maybe a guy of that caliber can get them to 7-5, and 8-4, and four, maybe. But, dude, you're not winning the national titles there. That's fine. If that's more important to you, if you want to take the NIL money, you want to follow the family, family legacy, I can respect that. I'm not going to kill you for it. That's your decision. I would prefer guys that are about winning. That's just me. But hey, if that's what's important to you and important to your family, I respect it and good luck to you. But we've been winning national titles before Dylan Raiola. And you know what? We're going to win national titles again in the future without Dylan Raiola. I do not care. Really, I know how that sounds, but it's just the truth, guys. I do not care. 
And here's more to this, guys. Why do I not care as I laid out? Yes, I, I think we're in a different position as a program. Like It's not a, a make-or-break kind of thing for us. But also look at our quarterback situation, guys. We're in a really good spot there. Because as I said earlier, I truly believe, based on not just this Dylan Raiola news, but what I've been hearing for a couple of weeks now, well, a week and a half or so about Carson Beck, I feel very strongly that he's going to return. And I said it on Monday. I will reiterate it here right now. If I had to choose between getting Carson Beck for one more year, and that meaning Dylan Raiola is going to Nebraska, or Carson Beck going pro and having Dylan Raiola for three years, give me Carson Beck. Beck, because I know what Carson Beck is. I know that we can win a national championship with Carson Beck. A lot of people think we can win one with Raiola, and we probably could, maybe, possibly, but that's an unknown. We do not know that. So give me the known quantity, the guy that I know can lead us to a national title. A guy that, in my opinion, did everything he could to lead us to a playoff berth this year, and we should be in the playoff this year. Give me that guy 100 times out of 100, no questions asked. I won't even bat an eye at it. So I'd make that trade-off every single day. But it's more than just Carson Beck versus Dylan Raiola here. I'm still a believer in Gunnar Stockton. I think that guy is a really talented football player. I like his ability to move. I think he's a dual threat caliber type guy. I think he's made of the right stuff. By the time he will get a shot to start at Georgia, he'll be in a very similar situation to what Carson Beck was in. He waited and set and watched and learned and competed and got to the point where he's ready to take over and run with the show, if that is indeed what plays out. And we'll see. That's He's going to have to fight for that job because the guy that I'm really, really so excited about is Ryan Pluglisi, the forgotten other quarterback in this class. Now, he's gotten a lot of attention this week because for obvious reasons. He's the only quarterback remaining in this class. But for the past six months or so since Raiola committed back in the summer, no one's talking about Ryan Pluglisi. It was Dylan Raiola, Dylan Raiola, more Dylan Raiola. But I want to make sure we all understand something. I know this for a fact. I'm telling you this as a fact. Our coaching staff, now you can say maybe they made the wrong decision here. Only time will tell. But our coaching staff took Ryan Pliglisi over Julian Sain, who is committed to Alabama. I don't know if you guys follow up recruiting that much. Most of you, I'm sure you do. I don't know to what degree you follow recruiting. But just for those out there who maybe don't follow as closely and don't look what other teams are doing, Julian Sain, on, on three, their industry rankings and their individual rankings, has catapulted ahead of Dylan Ryle all the way to the number one quarterback in the country. He won the Elite 11 competition back in the summer. Good football player. Really good football player. And those of you who follow recruiting, you know, back in the spring, we were heavily involved in Julian Sane. In fact, Julian Sane set a commitment date. But if you remember, what did he do with that commitment date? He pushed it back. Why did he push it back? He pushed it back because he wanted to commit to Georgia, but at that time, we were not ready to take that commitment. Why were we not ready to take that commitment? We were not ready to take that commitment because we preferred Ryan Puglisi, which at the time, most people would have thought was crazy because he was not a highly rated guy. I think the time we actually committed, he was a low four-star, maybe even like a three-star guy at the time. And saying wasn't the number one quarterback in the country at that time, but he was still a highly rated guy and more highly rated than Puglisi was by a fairly wide margin. Our coaching staff could have had Julian Sam, but we said no. We wanted Ryan Puglisi. That is how much our staff believes in this kid. That is how much they like him. That's saying something, guys. Now, again, they could be wrong. The evaluation could be wrong. We'll find out. But you know who I'm going to trust more than the recruiting services out there? Our coaching staff, who's won two national titles in the past three years. Our coaching staff, who back in the day 
scouted Stetson Bennett, evaluated him, and offered him a preferred walk-on spot, then went back and re-offered him a full scholarship out of JUCO to come back to our program. The coaches have that evaluated Carson Beck and was able to flip him from Florida. The coaching staff that wanted Jake Fromm back in the day and said, bye-bye, Bailey Hockman, we want Jake Fromm. Our coaches are not perfect. No, no, Nobody's coaches are. But when it comes to evaluations, I'm going to trust the guys who do this professionally and get paid millions upon millions of dollars to do it more than I will the recruiting services. Our coaches wanted, preferred Ryan Puglisi. That's saying something. And let's talk about this kid. I am not going to badmouth Dylan Riola. The kid's making a decision that he thinks in his best interest and what's going to help him most in the future and what's best for him and his family. I can respect that. I can disagree with it, but I respect it. I don't think there's some ulterior motive here. I'm not going to ascribe some nefarious intentions. No. So I'm not going to, I'm not killing Dylan Riola here. What I'm going to do is build up Ryan Puglisi. I don't know how much you know about this guy. You've probably learned a lot more about him this week than you have in the past seven, eight months. But Puglisi is a guy that played at a smaller level up in Connecticut for the first couple years of high school. However, prior to his junior season, he moved to a place called Avon Old Farms, which is essentially a boarding school. It's an all-boys boarding school. It's essentially what it is. But it's a higher level of football. And he got much better coaching than he has at any point in his high school career. And the guy grew. He developed. His tape was already good. But watch his tape this year, guys. It's different. He's on another level than he was even when our coaches decided they wanted to take him in the first place. It's not like he's some slouch. When we recruited him, when we took his commitment, obviously it opened some eyes and the recruiting services paid more attention to who this guy was. And he has moved up to number 134 in the 247 composite. So he's a highly rated four-star guy. He's not like he's some slouch by any standards whatsoever. And just when you compare him to the five-star Dylan Raul, who was once upon a time the number one quarterback in the country, people say, oh my God, what a disappointment. No, no. Watch the tape. Get to know these guys. Ryan Puglisi is a dude. Physically, he's got the tools. He's 6'3", about 205, 210. And I wouldn't classify him as a dual threat quarterback, but he's certainly far more mobile than Dylan Raiola is. And that matters, guys. Again, I'm not not trying to badmouth Dylan Raiola. Incredibly talented thrower of the football, passer, just a really good arm, really, really good football player. But he is a statue back there. I mean, the guy cannot move. He is a below average athlete. And I'm not saying you can't win with those kind of guys. You have an offensive line, the caliber of our offensive line, that tends to help things. But man, in this day and age of college football, you need someone that can move. It's such a difference. Even like Carson Beck level. I mean, Carson's not a dual threat guy, but when we needed him to be able to pick up some yards, he was able to do that with his legs when everything broke down. Raiola's not really capable of that, guys. Like he is not a good athlete. Great passer, very polished passer, not an athlete. Not the case with Puglisi. This guy can move. This guy, actually, we'll put his shoulder down. Like, he's a big fizzle guy, but also but can move. I'm not super twitchy, but a little bit of twitch to his game. And when comparing these guys as passers, there's no doubt that right now, Dylan Raiola is the more polished quarterback. I mean, that's clear right now when you watch these guys play. And he should be. This guy grew up in an NFL family, was around the game, was around high-level coaching for his entire life, really personal QB coaches, the whole nine yards, all that stuff. He should be further ahead of Ryan Puliglisi right now. And he is from a technical standpoint. But if you are asking me which guy has the higher ceiling long-term, I'm not going to sit here and say definitively it's Ryan Puliglisi from a talent standpoint, 
But I think you make a really strong argument. The dude has a really strong arm. He's a much better athlete. He's a three-sport athlete, which I love, guys. Especially when you're talking about quarterbacks. Like, think about Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying Ryan Blaglissi is Patrick Mahomes. Hear me, yeah, guys. I mean, he's not Patrick Mahomes. I'm not, not at all. It's not what I'm saying. But think about the way that Patrick Mahomes is able to just throw the football from all these insane arm, arm, arm angles. How is he able to do that? You don't practice that growing up. Like, you don't have a personal QB coach. I guess some guys are trying to do that now, but he didn't have a personal QB coach who was teaching him to do these things. He's a baseball player. He's a big-time baseball player, and he's basically playing shortstop at the quarterback position. That's essentially what he's doing. Those throws he's making, those are baseball throws. Kyler Murray, much the same thing. Carson Beck, much the same thing. Guys, Carson Beck really didn't focus on football until like his junior year of high school. He was a baseball player first. That's what he was, a big-time baseball player. So he moves to Mandarin High School as a junior, wins a state title, and all of a sudden, like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah, he can actually play football. And he realized that's probably where his future was and what he wanted to play long-term. But he was a baseball player. I think that matters. I really do, because you're competing year-round. I mean, if you are just if you just play one sport, I'm not saying that's a terrible thing. You, you can train and, and perfect your craft like Dylan Raiola has, but if you play sports, different sports year-round, you're competing all the time. And I love that about Ryan Pluglisi. He's a gritty dude. He's all about business. And I'm, I don't know Dylan Raiola personally. I can't say that he's not like that. But what I can tell you, I mean, my my real situation, I mean, I, I think it's a fair thing to say. Dylan Raiola is not putting winning at the top of his priority list. I mean, that's that's indisputable, right? Because if he was, he wouldn't be going to Nebraska. I mean, that's just common sense. There are other factors, and that's fine. Those are his factors, and those are his priorities, and that's fine. I just prefer guys who are about winning, which is what Ryan Pluglisley is about. I prefer guys who are not afraid of competition, which is clearly what Ryan Pluglisley is all about. I mean, guys, think about the situation. You are not an unknown, but when he committed, he was a relative unknown on the recruiting scene. He wasn't a national guy that a lot of people were paying attention to, at least from like the recruiting rankings. Now, when he commits to Georgia, everyone's like, wait, who's this guy? You look into him a little more, you're like, oh, yeah, he can actually play. But you're Ryan Pluglisley, kind of an, uh, somewhat of an afterthought recruit on the, on the national scale at least in terms of like people paying attention to these things, like the recruiting writers, rankers, evaluators, analysts, all that. And then you have the number one quarterback in the country, this guy that everybody's been fawning over for years. He decides that he wants to commit to the school that you are already committed to. How many other quarterbacks in the country are staying committed to Georgia in that, in that scenario? How many? Not many, I'd venture to say. But Ryan Puglisi did. Why? Because he's there to compete. The guy believes in himself, and he's not afraid of competition. I don't want to say that Dylan's afraid of competition. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but he's certainly trying to avoid it. And he's done that throughout his career, guys. I mean, going back to high school, he's four, four high schools, now on his third third college that he's going to be committed to. This guy has made a habit. A, he has a verified history over the past four years of looking for the path of least resistance. And I get that. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense on some level to go to the place that gives you the best opportunity to accomplish things you want to accomplish. If those things mean, like, if you're what you want to accomplish is starting as a freshman and making a lot of NIL money and, and then going to NFL draft, that's cool. I get it. But you are doing so at the expense of winning. Now, he can think he's going to go to Nebraska and make them a national title contender. I'm just going to tell you that's not going to happen because it takes more than just a quarterback. And Nebraska doesn't have the roster, and they're not even close to having the roster right now to be competing for national titles. But again, I don't want to make this about Dylan Raiola and what he isn't or what he is. I want to make this about what Ryan Puglisi is. This guy is cut from the same cloth 
as guys like Brock Bowers and Nick Chubb. He's the kind of guy that is not seeking the limelight. He's not much of a talker, hasn't done many interviews along the way during this recruiting process. He's put his head down. He's gone to work. He's blocking out the noise, focused on getting better. In short, he's built the right way. He is not where Dylan Riley is right now as a technical quarterback, but he doesn't need to be. We don't need him to be this year. And what I can tell you this guy is going to do is he's going to come into Athens and he's going to put his head down. He's going to go to work, do everything that's asked of him. He's going to work his tail off. He's going to have a legendary work ethic like Brock Bowers and Nick Chubb and give him a year or two. And this dude is going to be freaking awesome. And you are going to love him. I don't know the kid personally, but the people that I know that have been around him and also just listening to how the people that were at the Elite 11 talk about the kid, listening to what his coaches say about him, it all paints the same picture. I'm just going to read you a couple quotes, guys. I don't think this is stepping on anybody's toes. I'm going to give him credit for it. So this is from Jake Reuse. This is from Dogs HQ. Jake's been doing a great job for a long time. Dogs HQ, great stuff. I'm just going to read you a couple quotes coming from his coach. I interviewed his coach. He got a couple of quotes. I think will help paint the picture of what kind of kid we're getting here. So John Holy, I think is how you pronounce his name. That's the coach at Avon Old Farms up in Connecticut. And he says, quote, He's an unbelievable kid. He's what everyone would want their sons to be like in terms of character, humility, and work ethic. He's obviously blessed with a lot of God-given talent, and he's worked to develop and get better. And then he goes on to talk about how he's a quiet kid, but he put that aside to become a leader on this team, coming to a place that he hadn't been. All these other players had relationships. He comes in as a junior and has to take take over as the alpha guy or grow into that. And he did. He says, quote, he's a naturally quiet kid, but he's worked to become a take the bull by the horns type of kid. Sometimes people will say, I'm not that type of person. And they'll stay that way. He knew he had to be. And so he became an alpha type of personality with a servant's mentality in terms of leadership. And then here's an anecdote he offered. He says, Quote, like last night, we did a signing event because the guys go on break after that. And he and a couple senior guys came over and watched Home Alone with my sons because it was my eight-year-old's birthday. He initiated that. He's just that type of kid. And then he was asked what he's going to miss most about Puglisi. And he says, quote, everything. The biggest thing is his personality and how kind-hearted and good of a person he is. He's a special kid. I almost got tears in my eyes thinking about it. He's a pure, humble kid. Low maintenance, high production. Actually, he's zero maintenance, high production. He's a very humble kid. He doesn't have an ego. He has pride and wants to be good, but he's coachable. Now, who in the hell does that sound like? Yeah, Brock Bowers. Yeah, Nick Chubb. So if, if that doesn't move the needle for you, if you don't care about the kind of kid he is and, and the approach to football and the kind of leader he can be, well, let's talk about the X's and O's. Here's this coach again. Now, this is coming from Dogs247. This is an article written by Benjamin Wolk, who's now the recruiting writer. He's doing a great job for them. And the same coach, John Woley, says, talking about Puglisi's talent, that's what drives me crazy when people say, well, I don't know if he's as talented as XYZ. I'm like, I'm going to tell you this. He's as talented as anybody. Throwing-wise, there ain't anybody better. No, it's like, oh yeah, he's way better. He just wasn't, get this, he just wasn't baptized in quarterback royalty since he was 14 like some of the other kids out there that are super hyped quarterbacks. I think we all know who he is referring to as quarterback royalty. And he goes on to say, honestly, as talented as he is, he's almost too talented for high school in a way. He throws the ball so hard and can throw it so far that some of the kids here can't catch up to it, you know? You need kids that can run a 10-3 and can catch the ball like the, like the guys at Georgia can. 
And then finally, one last thing here. I know, I don't know if this is a good podcast or not. I just want to make sure you guys haven't seen this. So the coach goes on to say, quote, a very unbelievable heart an extremely humble person that works diligently. He's an extraordinary, talented human being in all different ways. The best way to say it, he's how you dream your son would grow up to act. He's mature on and off the field, constantly seeking to get better. From a personality standpoint, he's a great individual, and I know I'm going to miss him deeply here. I know he's going to do well at the next level. That's the kid we've got, guys. And look, I'm not saying Dylan Rowell is not a good kid himself. I don't know him. I don't know. But what I can tell you, what I'm concerned about is the guy that we have is going to be a freaking stud. The list is very long, guys, of these highly talented quarterbacks and just highly talented players at any position that don't really pan out. Why? Because they don't have it from the neck up. They aren't built the right way. They don't have the character. They don't have the work ethic. Back in the day, I absolutely would have put way more premium on talent. Now, you got to be talented. I'm not saying you don't have to be talented. You have to be talented. But... Talent in itself is not enough. It's insufficient alone. You have to have a guy, especially the quarterback position, that is built the right way, that has the goods, not just from a physical standpoint, but from the neck up. And everything that I have ever heard from anyone I talk to and anything I've ever read about Ryan Puglisi is he is that dude. I honestly could not be higher on this kid. He needs to polish. He needs to develop. But he's going to because of all the reasons I just laid out based on what his coach was saying and everything I've ever heard about this kid from anyone that I have talked to. But you know what? Let's just say for argument's sake that I'm wrong. Maybe he doesn't end up being that guy. I guess it's always a possibility. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be that dude. But let's just say he doesn't. You know another reason that doesn't really bother me? It doesn't really affect me? It doesn't register with me that Dylan Rowell is going to Nebraska now? Well, we have this thing called the transfer portal, right? Well, the transfer, transfer portal will take it from you but we all know it also can giveth. And when you are a program like the University of Georgia that will continue to win at the level that we have won, that has what we have to offer, that has Kirby Smart here, has the culture that we have, we are going to continue to be a very attractive option for transfer guys, especially transfer quarterbacks. So if one of these guys, if Gunner doesn't work out, if Puglisi, for whatever reason, maybe doesn't work out, we're going to be okay because we can go get a dude from the transfer portal. That is one position that is always loaded in the portal because only one guy can play at a time. And a lot of these guys, they might play at a smaller school and just ball out and become really a really high-profile player, but that small school can't really give them the NIL deal they want. And so what they, why do they know the portal? They want more money. And you know what? Kirby has shown that he will pay for guys at the portal more so than he's willing to pony up for those guys coming out of high school because they're proven. It's far less of a risk when you're giving all that money to a guy who's proven himself at the college level and is giving it to an unknown from the high school ranks who you think could be good, but you don't have the direct evidence. So for all those reasons, guys, that's why I'm not bothered by this. I am. I'm totally unbothered. It's whatever. And again, make sure you hear me when I'm saying this. I'm not saying that Dylan Ryle is not a good player. I'm not saying that Dylan Ryle wouldn't have a chance to start here if he came here. Of course he would. He would certainly be in that competition. And look, You'd rather have him than not because you want your quarterback room to be as strong as it can and you want the competition to drive these guys and iron sharpens iron. So I'm not saying I wouldn't want him. Honestly, at this point, I don't want him. To be honest with you, like how far this has gone, it'd be a very toxic situation, I believe, if he came back. I don't think it'd be good for our locker room. So at this point, I really don't want him back. I actually want him to go to Nebraska, as crazy as that might sound, but you know, a week ago, I was before this all went public. I was like, no, I'd obviously rather have him than not have him because again, it makes your room stronger. But my whole point is the reason I'm not freaking out is we are okay. Lo- losing a guy like Dylan Royola for a program of our caliber is not a make or break deal. It's just not. 
in the current contest of college football with the transfer portal at NIL and with what we have in our quarterback room, I'm just not phased by it. All right, guys, we're almost out of here. But before I do leave you for the day, I want to remind you one more time about our friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, it's the holiday season. We all know this. We are about 10 days out now from Christmas Day. I know a lot of you are early shoppers. It's great. Probably a lot of you are shopping on Black Friday. But I also know a lot of you might need some last-second gifts. And if you have some Georgia fans in your life, which I know that you do if you listen to this podcast, there's no better place for that last-second shopping than Alumni Hall. They have the best selection for men, for women, for kids. They got anything and everything you're looking for that's related to the University of Georgia. And not only do they have anything and everything, they have so many things that you just are not going to find anywhere else. They have unique Georgia gear that's going to get you and your loved ones compliments all over the place. You're going to be like, hey, dude, where'd you get that? Where'd you get this? Well, I got Alumni Hall because they have things that nobody else has. So stop in today inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, guys, last thing before I get out of here today, I just have some quick thoughts on the full SEC schedule now that we've seen it. We've known what the Georgia schedule is going to be for over a week now. It leaked. I think it was maybe the AJC who initially put that out there. Whoever, somebody did. But we've all seen that. We all, we've all known for a little while now what our schedule was going to look like. But now we have the entire picture. We have the entire SEC. And I had some thoughts on how this worked out. Now, first off, let's talk about Georgia here. I don't want to say we got screwed. It is what it is. And it's all going to even out. If our schedule is tougher this year, it'll be a little bit lighter next year. And then somebody's schedule might be light this year. It'll be tougher next year. But when you look at the schedules and you look at how ours worked out compared to most other teams in the conference, I do think that we got hit hard with our schedule. And that's nothing new. I mean, we all know this. I mean, the way they did it, it was, I guess, as fair of a process as you could so if you guys aren't familiar with how they laid this out so they I think it was four tiers maybe it's three three or four tiers they put these teams and they call them buckets I think and so they they did this like a 10-year win-loss record and so like they had okay tier one tier two tier three tier four whatever and they had the teams that were in a certain range in tier one certain range in tier two three so on and so forth right and they want to give each team I think it was like two opponents from each tier I think it was four tiers they want to give them two opponents from each tier now my issue with that is I think they went too far back when you do a 10-year win-loss record I think the further you go back like that the less relevant it comes to where the teams in the conference are right now like Texas you go back 10 years well, their record's not going to be that great because they've been in the in the desert for a long time. Well, if you look at where te- Texas is right now, the past year or two, well, they're in a very different place. So Texas might have been a tier two team that was put on our schedule, but they're right now in the context of modern day, they are a tier one program right now. They're playing in the college football playoff. I would guess our tier one opponents were clearly Alabama and then, I don't know, is it Florida? I mean, I know Florida hasn't been good recently, but you go back 10 years, they were not too bad. They've played in the SEC Championship game a couple of times. Maybe Auburn? I don't know. One of those two teams. I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. But getting Texas on your schedule as like a Tier 2 team, that's that's a very tough draw. And not only getting them on your schedule as a Tier 2 team, having to play them on the road, that's tough. And then beyond that, having to play two of the four teams in the college football playoff this season on the road next year, I mean, man, it, it does not get more difficult than that. And then you have to go to Ole Miss, who, guys, Ole Miss is going to be good next year. I mean, you've seen the news this week probably. I mean, basically, everybody's coming back next year, and they are always a big-time player in the transfer port. I mean, they got, they got Trey Harris back, who's their best receiver. Quinshaw Juckins has to come back because he's only going to be a junior. And Jackson Dart coming back, I mean, 
That's going to be a tough team. we got to play them on the road. We could feasibly have three top 10 opponents, not just on the schedule, three top 10 opponents on the road. And then we still have Tennessee at home, which, I mean, we're better than Tennessee. It's still a, a good program. It's a game you have to respect. Then you have also Auburn at home. Auburn's not there yet, but they're going to get closer to being there next year. And Kentucky on the road is not going to be a, a, a cakewalk. I mean, you got Brock Vandergriff, who knows our program, our defense inside now, right? He's played against it for three years, in practice at least. And we've got to go to Lexington week three. That's a tricky spot. And then you got Clemson to open the season in Atlanta on top of all that. So this is a hellaciously difficult schedule. And then that's not news. You knew that, but... It just you kind of hammer it home. You see everyone else's schedule. Like, man, like we definitely, definitely got the short of the stick here compared to everybody else. Now, as I said last week, I will give the SEC this. I think they did a good job, as difficult as the games themselves may be. I think they did a, as nice of a job with our schedule of of balancing it out from a week to week basis. I mean, we don't have Alabama and Texas back to back. Like, we don't have a a run like Florida, for example. I think Florida might be the only team that has a more difficult schedule than we do next year. I mean, guys, the, the back half of their schedule after their bye week, they got Georgia and Jacksonville, Tech at Texas. Got LSU at home, Ole Miss at home, at Florida State. I mean, dear God. And they have to go to Tennessee earlier in the year. I'm just going to say it now. I don't think Billy Napier makes out of year three. I think he's done. And that's, that's I mean, whatever. I, he's a, I think he's a nice guy. I mean, I don't root against him the way that I rooted against Dan Mullen. I root against him because he's the coach of Florida and I hate Florida. But I don't have like a personal issue with him the way that I did with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen was just a freaking clown. But I think Georgia and Florida definitely had the two toughest schedules, in my opinion. Now, what the other part of this that really kind of, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. It is what it is. Again, like if your schedule's lighter this year, it'll probably be heavier next year. We'll see what happens though. I mean, might, we might go to a nine game schedule and this might just be a one, one off thing. So who knows? But they really kind of rolled out the red carpet for Texas and Oklahoma this year, especially Texas. I don't know if you could have a lighter SEC schedule. I mean, yes, Texas has to play Georgia, but you get to host Georgia. They only have three SEC road games. Now, that's just a quirk of the schedule. This is their year to basically have Oklahoma as a designated road game. So that, obviously that's a neutral side game. So they only have three road games. Oklahoma counts as a road game for them. And their road games in conference are as follows. They are Oklahoma, which it's not a road game, but it counts as a road game. Arkansas on the road, Vanderbilt on the road, and Texas A&M at the end of the year. I know A&M, big rivalry game. They're going to be working in a new coach, guys. They lost a ton of guys to transfer portal. It's not going to be a great team next year. I mean, Vanderbilt and Arkansas, could you have found two softer games on the road for Texas? They get Georgia at home. They get Florida at home. Get Kentucky at home. I mean, God, in Mississippi State, they play Mississippi State. Ooh, tough. Get them at home. Now, they do have to go to Michigan week two, but that's not a part of the SEC schedule. So Texas, as far as the SEC schedule goes, I mean, seriously, guys, the red carpet was freaking rolled out for those guys. And Oklahoma, much the same thing, maybe not to the same degree, but Oklahoma's road games, you've got Auburn at Auburn. Okay, still a rebuilding Auburn team. They've got to go to Ole Miss. That'll, that will be a difficult game for sure. I'll say that. Columbia, Missouri. Missouri was good this year. Will they be the same caliber next year? Remains to be seen. We shall see. And they got to go to Baton Rouge. LSU without Jane Daniels. We'll see what that looks like. So I do think Oklahoma's schedule is tougher than Texas's. But Oklahoma, okay, yeah, they got to play Alabama. They get to host Alabama. There's no Georgia on their schedule. So I think those guys got a very nice welcoming gift coming into the SEC this year. Now, in terms of the other end of the spectrum, the easier schedules, we've got... Ole Miss, guys. I mean, Ole Miss, 
I think they're going to be in the playoff next year. Honestly, there's no excuse for them to not be in the playoff next year. I mean, they're non-conference. You got Furman, Middle Tennessee, Wake Forest, and Georgia Southern. They absolutely have to win all four of those games easily. That's There's no way they're going to lose those games. I don't imagine a way. And then you've got their row games, South Carolina on the road. Yes, they have to go to LSU. Could be a difficult game, especially if it's at night. That is the one landmine road game on their schedule. But you've got, again, at South Carolina, at LSU, at Arkansas, and then at Florida. And guys, again, Florida's going to be, I don't I don't think they'll be much better than they were this year, honestly. But maybe a little bit better with guys like Eugene Wilson coming back for year two. But, I mean, look, you're going to lose Tre- Trevor Etienne. I mean, I don't know, man. I think Billy might even be gone by the time they play them late in the season. And yeah, you get to play Georgia, but you get to host Georgia. No Alabama on your schedule. No Texas on your schedule. With what they have coming back from a roster standpoint and that schedule, there is no reason why Ole Miss is not in the 12-team playoff. In fact, I would say Lane Kiffin would have some explaining to do if they are not in the college playoff. But back to our schedule. It's like I said last week. I'll stand by. I believe this right now. And we'll see how the 12-team playoff plays out. But I'm not predicting that we're going to go 10-2. We'll have plenty of time for predictions later on throughout the offseason. But for argument's sake, even if we end up going 10-2, with that schedule, you have to have us in the playoff. Like, I just, it's tough to imagine a scenario where we wouldn't be. Now, it certainly depends on what happens around the rest of the country. If another year like this, there's all these undefeated teams and one-loss teams. I mean, who knows? But with that schedule, if we win the right games, now if we drop games to Alabama and Texas, if we drop both those games, and like, where's your marquee win? Maybe marquee win would be at Ole Miss. We'll see how good Clemson is next year. Obviously, they've been down for a couple of years. Still a good program. But certainly, if we go 10-2 and and split at Alabama and at Texas— I think we have to be in the college playoff. But as we all saw this year, it's tough to put your faith in the committee. I've been saying that for years. I have zero faith in the college playoff committee. We all saw why this year. Next year, I mean, we'll see. It'll be a new season, new context. We'll see how everybody else around the country fares and, and what their records are. But let's go 10 and If we can get to 10, I don't want us to go 10 and 2. I think we're capable of going 11 and 1. I mean, 12 and 0 might be a difficult ask here, but I think we're capable of 11 and 1. Maybe 12 and 0 is a very outside shot, but I mean, it could happen. We're, we are a, a, one of the best programs in the country. But if we can at least get to 10 and 2, I think that's going to earn us a playoff berth. But all right, guys, that's all I got for today. We will be back next week with a ton of great stuff for you. So make sure to keep on coming back for more. We'll have you covered. I don't care if it's the offseason, guys. It's not the offseason quite yet because we technically still have the bowl game. But you guys have been around for a while. You know how we roll. We were, we're going to be here all offseason long. We do not go dark. A lot of other podcasts do go dark during the offseason. They pop back up around August. That's not how we roll. We live this. We breathe it. We mean it when we say that. So we are around all offseason long. We'll have football talk, your football fix for you from January all the way up to kickoff in September or August, actually, this year. And we'll start looking ahead a little bit to the Orange Bowl next week. And then after Christmas, we will certainly have our official Orange Bowl preview. And we will have part two of our bowl pick spectacular for you when we get to the actual good football games, the good bowl games that you actually care about. But have a fantastic weekend, guys. I appreciate all of you being here. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.